How you guys doing? Welcome. Man, isn't it good uh, just to get to be in a place like this and get to make th- these songs our declaration? Um, they're, they're the word of God. They're true. Uh, I was saying the last gathering, um, I don't wake up every Sunday morning feeling like I, I want to go to church. Sometimes I want to stay home and watch football, but I never regret coming here. I always leave blessed and encouraged, and uh, the, the same has been true today, and uh, I'm excited to be with you. I also want to point out, I called it last week, I told you the blizzard was not going to happen, and in fact, it did not. Uh, my kids still got a, a, a late start on Friday, a little bit of a snow delay, but there was no snow, so I think the school district just felt bad, all these disappointed kids. Um, hey, it's good to be here. My name is Adam. I'm on the teaching team, and um, we're in our second week of this uh, teaching series called The Heart, and uh, we are, are teaching through this thing that we call the heart, and of course, um, maybe it's obvious, but we're, we're not talking about the organ that resides in our chest that moves our blood around, but rather the, the deeper part of us that's kind of been below the surface, that, uh, the, the part of us that isn't necessarily our behaviors, but it's but it's our motivation and, and how God wants to meet us and, and start a revolution at, at the core of who we are. Um, Tim kicked uh, this, this series off last week. If you weren't here, didn't get a chance to hear it, uh, you can go to our website and listen to it. Um, but, but we are beginning this, this uh, series teaching about our, our core and, and, and who we are in our heart. And I know for some of us, this is really exciting stuff. I had someone at the end of the last gathering say, I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, for a lot of us, this isn't so exciting. We're not sure how to process this. I, I kind of am a little bit more in that camp. Um, I like things that I can think about, measure, put in order, and they all make sense. And sometimes the heart to me is a bit of a mystery. Yet, it seems to be important to God, and, and we're going to spend some time discovering what he has to say about it. Um, today, if, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and flip over to Mark chapter 4. It's in the, the New Testament. And uh, we're going to be looking at a teaching that Jesus gives us about the condition of our hearts. If our hearts are this critical place that that Jesus wants to lead change in us and bring about revolution and turning over, then then the condition of our hearts this morning really matters. And in this teaching that we're going to look at in in Mark 4, uh, Jesus gives us Kind of four uh, types of heart, four conditions that the heart can be in. And, and as we go through these, I, I want to encourage you to, to listen at which one kind of resonates with where you are in this season of life and, and, and where your heart is in this season of life. And, and, and also looking at really practical things about what God says about the condition of our heart and how he meets us there in scripture, in community, and uh, in our prayer life. And so, um, yeah, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark 4. We're going to start in verse 1. And this says this. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat and sat in it on the lake while the people were along the shore and at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still others fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop. Some multiplying 30, 
some 60, some 100 times. And I told you we were going to be talking about the heart. And it sounds like Jesus is talking about agriculture. What Jesus is teaching is, is, is something called a parable. It's a truth that's delivered to us in, in a picture that allows us to see this truth through uh, a, a few different angles. And, and, and though we're talking about soil and seed, we're, we're not really talking about soil and, and seeds. And in fact, he's going to show us that, that the soil in this analogy represents our heart. These four conditions, these, these four places that our heart can be in, this place where, where things are meant to grow. And the seed that he's talking about, that the sower is throwing out to all these hearts, represents his word, his kingdom. And in that seed, it's this great analogy because a, a seed doesn't stay small. It grows into something much larger and can produce fruit and can produce a harvest. In fact, later in Mark 4, he, he talks about the seed being like a mustard seed just a, a, a tiny seed. If I, if I put a life-size one up on our screen, you, you probably couldn't even see it, but it grows to be a mustard tree. And a mustard tree is so large that, that if I had a life-size picture, it wouldn't even fit on our screen, and, and he's kind of capturing the dynamic potential of these seeds of his kingdom. So he's going to explain this further in, uh, in Mark 4. His disciples, after he, he tells the story about the sower sowing seeds, they come up to him and say, Jesus, this is such a great story. What does it mean? What in the world are you talking about? And I relate with the disciples so many times. So Jesus explains it. It starts in verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So Jesus shows us this first condition of the heart, this hard soil, which is the cynical heart. The seed fall along this hardened path. It doesn't go anywhere. The birds come, or Satan comes and, and, and steals it. Now, it's not hard for us to imagine uh, that this condition of heart and, and what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. We're all... We're all born um, and, and we're, we're given a heart, this, this core of who we are, where we get our identity, where we get our motivation. And, and, and in this, if we're, we're born in the best of circumstances, we're born into a loving family that reciprocates love and, and nourishes our hearts. And, and, and even if we're born in the best of circumstances or, or maybe not in such great circumstances, at some point we are confronted, our heart is confronted with, with a broken world, with the fact that there's, there's evil in the world. And it's, it's causing havoc and it's wrecking things. And, and not only is this evil in the world all around me, it's made its way in, into my own heart. And so the natural reaction, the natural human reaction to, to a dangerous and hostile world and evil, even in my own heart, is, is to protect behind cynicism. See, so cynicism is, is kind of a guard. It's kind of a, a shield. It's not even being critical. At least when I'm critical, I'm, I'm, I'm considering something. I'm considering that, that maybe God is good and that maybe he loves my heart and maybe he wants to heal me and make me whole and, and, and maybe it's possible even if I doubt it, but, but cynicism's a whole other step back where it's, I won't even allow myself to consider those things. So this farmer is sowing seeds, seeds of faith, seeds of his kingdom, and it, it, it resides on the shell of cynicism, on the heart of someone who is hard, hard-hearted. 
the analogy that he uses is, is it's like a pathway. I, uh, I love getting on trails anywhere in the woods. They lead to so many cool places. You see waterfalls and, and uh, canyons and all this stuff. But, but if you think about what creates a trail, is it's, it's kind of like a scar in the floor of the forest. It's been tread upon over and over, and it's been hardened. And, and those seeds may fall on it. Nothing, nothing can get beneath that, that top layer of soil that's, that's packed down and hard. And Jesus says that, that Satan would love nothing more than to steal the seeds of his kingdom that rest on the shell of the cynic's heart. Satan would love nothing more than for you and I to believe and for the people in our city to believe that, that the notion that there's a God that loves them is, is foolish. That the gospel of Jesus, that he can bring life from the inside and the core of who we are is, is, is foolish. He would love us to believe that, that his church, that his movement on this earth is, is not good. In fact, it's it's bad. It's the shell of cynicism. I, I brought a, a quote um, from a guy named Paul Miller. He's written a book about prayer and uh, addresses cynicism in his book about prayer a lot because he believes that, that cynicism is a hurdle to prayer and, and, and really gives us a picture of, of, of what he sees as cynicism working its way in our society. He says this, cynicism is so pervasive that at times it feels like a presence. I mean, it's, it's so pervasive and close that at times it, it, it feels like a, a companion, someone that I have with me. If Satan can't stop you from praying, then he will try to rob the fruit of praying by dulling your soul. Satan cannot create, but he can corrupt. To be cynical is to be distant. It's to hold everything and everyone, including God, at an arm's length. While offering a false intimacy of being in the know, cynicism actually destroys intimacy. It destroys being known and knowing. It destroys intimacy. And it leads to a creeping bitterness that can deaden and even destroy the spirit. So Jesus gives us this picture of this first soil that is so hardened that the seeds of his kingdom lie on the top. They're stolen away by Satan. Man, that sounds bleak. It sounds dire. But, but do you know what the good news is? Jesus loves the cynic. Jesus isn't satisfied to leave the cynic in their cynicism. Revelation 3 tells us, Behold, I stand at the door of the heart. I stand at the door and I am knocking. You need only to open the door and let me in and take that simple step of belief. Scripture tells us that, that God will make his home in our heart, make us new, bringing wholeness, bringing life where there used to be only stone. There's a, a passage in Ezekiel 36, and, and undoubtedly we're going to hit this passage at some point through this teaching about the heart, but, but I'll, I'll give you the gist of it. Um, it's, it's prophetic, and it's speaking to the, the nation of Israel who have been defeated, and it's a promise of how God is going to restore them. But in this promise, it's also a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do in the hearts of humanity. And it says these words that, that he's going to take the heart of stone where there is not life, that is lonely and set apart. And he's going to replace it with the heart of flesh where he makes his home. This is the good news for the cynic. This is the gospel of Jesus, that he went 
to a cross, that he died and he rose again, and now he has the authority to take stony hearts and to make them alive again. Jesus goes on in Mark 4. He's talking about the, the pathway and the, the seeds that fall, but, but he goes to the second condition. He says, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the God and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When the trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. So this, this next condition is, is a little more fertile than, than the hard-hearted in that there's a top layer of soil that, that at least some things can grow in, but, but just beneath that first layer of soil is, is stones and, and hard places. And, and so something might might take root there initially, but, but as those roots of his kingdom, that mustard seed faith, as it grows down, it, it hits these stones and these hard places, and, and it, it withers. This represents the, the unformed heart, the heart that, that the, the things that, that are beneath the surface haven't, haven't been addressed and looked at and dealt with. This, for me, became a reality um, probably five or six years ago. Um, I developed a, a mentoring relationship um, with a man named Paul Rhodes, and it's uh, probably someone you've heard talked about here. He's mentored a lot of, of people here, and um, I had had mentoring rela- relationships before, maybe in the leadership arena, and, 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 or maybe with, with other things that are skill-based, and, and, and when I started meeting with Paul, that was kind of my expectation. He's going to give me a lot of great quotes. He's going to give me good advice, and, and Paul constantly said, well, I'm, I'm interested with what's going on in your heart. Well, Paul, I don't want to talk about that. Can't you give me a quote? Can't you give me something good? And, 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 and what, what I begin to realize is, is the way that I grew up and the way that I learned to deal with, with matters beneath the surface and the heart was, was just to kind of push them down. That's, that's my family credo. Like, well, we got some emotions coming up. We got some feelings coming up. Ah, push it down. And, and what this equates to and what this uh, meant for me as I began to meet with Paul is it was kind of like a, a heart that was a, a, a junk drawer. You guys all have the junk drawer in the kitchen, right? Don't deny it. If you don't have one, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> the junk drawer is where things go that you don't know where to put. There's, there's really no place for this experience. There's no place for this emotion. Ugh, I don't want to think about this anymore. And so just loading this junk drawer of my heart and then just closing it and not thinking about it. And Paul, in love and in his wisdom, pull, pulled that junk drawer out and dumped it. It was, it was hard to look at. It was hard to process, man. Beneath the, the, the layer of, of soil on my heart, there, there were stones. And there were things that I hadn't let go, that I hadn't forgiven, that, things I hadn't asked for forgiveness in, and, and these things that were, that were influencing my life, even if I couldn't see them, even if they were below the surface. See, I don't, I don't think Jesus is interested in a, a revolution that's only skin deep for you and I. He wants a revolution in our hearts, to make his home in our hearts and to bring wholeness and to bring life. So for me, this, this journey, it, it, it kind of seemed like God was plowing the soil of my heart. And, and that, that sometimes feels uncomfortable and difficult. The things that are beneath are getting brought to the surface. Uh, I have a picture of a, of a first century plow um, and, and I imagine that, 
that the people Jesus is teaching to, when, what we read here in Mark 4, he's teaching to people in the first century who probably knew a lot about farming, more than we do. We just go to Whole Foods. They had to grow their own. And they would have known, hey, if I have a field and it's, it's full of stone and clay and hard places, and, and I want to have this field produce a crop, this is where I start. This is the thing that's going to go beneath the surface of the soil and start to bring up these, these, uh, these stones and all of these hard places. So where do we find this? Where do we find this plow in our hearts? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this. For the word of God, this Bible, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart beneath, the thoughts and attitudes of, of what's beneath. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So this, this is a place that we start. It begins to churn the soil of our heart and to cultivate that soil and to begin to dislodge the, the hard places and the stones. This, this Bible that, that judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So you might be tempted to think if, if you've read this many, many times and, and it's predictable and I know where the stories are going that, that whatever life was in this, I've, I've already got. It's, it's already registered in my mind. I, 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 I understand it. It's, it's already done what it's going to do. But, but the fact is, this, this is a book for the heart. That every time I pick it up, it has the potential to turn the soil of my heart in a way that I didn't even know to expect. And on the other side, there might be some of us in here who, this, this is a really intimidating book. I don't even know where to start. I've, I've, I've tried a few times and couldn't pronounce the names and kind of gave up and didn't know what it means. And, and, and for you, this, this is a book for the heart. And it has the potential of turning the soil of your heart, making fertile ground. God's role, or God's word, plays a role in the forming of our hearts. The other place that we experience formation in our hearts is in community. The last five or six years, this, this journey of formation for me, it, it required a friend named Paul, someone who was, who was willing to, to help pull that plow, the, the plow that I had pictured up here a moment ago, if a farmer was to take that out by themselves and try to push it through the soil, especially stony soil, they're not going to budge a single inch. They, they have to have a team of oxen that, that help, that help till the earth. This is the role of community for you and I. People who, who, who aren't just attending but, but belong and are committed not just to their own growth but to the growth of other people, to the tilling of the heart soil of other people. I have a, a men's group that I'm a part of on Wednesday mornings. There's uh, five of us, and we met for the first time this last Wednesday um, just due to the holidays and everything. And, and being it was our, our first time to gather for the year, we decided to talk about what, what we are believing God for this year. What's the theme for this year for us? And we went around, and everyone shared personal. They, they shared things that, that are, are not going right, that they need God to heal, and and things that they feel God leading them into that seems scary, maybe new territory. And, and when we got done, the, the collective agreement was, okay, we're not just here for ourselves. We're here for each other. I'm going to pray for you. You pray for me. I'm going to encourage you and hold you accountable. You, you do the same for me. And, 
and, and we're, we're going to help each other till this rocky soil of our hearts. This place that God wants to bring wholeness, wants to bring clarity. He goes on to the third condition of the heart. He says, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke. They come in and choke. Choke the word, making it unfruitful. So in this, this progression, we're on the third kind of condition of the heart now. They're, they're becoming more, more fruitful and, and, and better soil, but, but in this heart condition, it's actually good soil, and, and things grow there. The, the problem is that, that the wrong things are growing here. That, that these things that Jesus identifies as weeds, the worry of life, the seedfulness of riches, and the desire for other things are, are starting to take the place of his seeds and the things that he's wanting to plant in our hearts. Now, it, it, at least two of these things, uh, the worries about life and the desire for other things, these, these aren't inherently bad, right? Like these, these are important things to steward. It's, it's good that you show up to work tomorrow, and it's it's good for me that, that I, I care for my family and, and at least want to send one of them to college. It's a competition for our favorite. They've got to work that out. I, I, I want to be able to retire. I want to be able to do these things. So it, it, it's not bad to say I, I need some measure of wealth. I, I need to be, um, steward these things well and be concerned with these things well. And all that needs to happen. What, what, what Jesus is saying is those things don't belong in my heart. Those can be my activities they can be things that I steward and that I'm diligent with and, and, and that I work hard for, but they're not who I am. They're not meant to be planted in my heart. That belongs to him. It doesn't belong to the pursuit of riches, to the pursuit of comfort. And Jesus even teaches us in, in Matthew 6, the, his famous sermon on the mount, he says, listen, I, I don't know if you know this, but but your heavenly Father, the one who created you and all existence that you know and, and set the moon and stars in place, he, he knows what you need. He knows you need to eat. You have to have shelter. He knows you need these things, but, but don't let them consume you. They're not meant to be in your heart. Seek first his kingdom. Then all these things will be added. Jesus says that these are like weeds growing in our heart. We've lived in, in several places, and one of the most fascinating things is every house we've lived in has had weeds, and I didn't plant any of them. I don't know if someone's sneaking over there or what's going on. And no, it, To my knowledge, no one's ever planted weeds or had to plant weeds. They, they just kind of show up, right? We, we heard last week um, that, that, that the heart... The, the, the heart that we're born with, the heart that we're given, that the natural human position of that heart is deceitful. That, that, that that's kind of the natural disposition of our heart. The natural state of my heart is, is to be a really fertile place for those weeds to grow, to be concerned and worried about things, to be pursuing riches as a means of, of bringing peace and joy into my life. Those are weeds that have to be pulled. That if that's, if that's the condition of my heart, that I have to come before Jesus over and over again and, and, and pull and repent. God, this is, this is not what, what my heart is for. This is not what is meant to grow in my heart. And, 
And, and, and just like weeds in my yard, the, the smaller ones are much easier to pull. The ones that hang around for a while really get rooted in. And they're a lot of work to pull up. But this is this invitation from Jesus. This last one. Mark 4.20, the last soil condition. He says, others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what is sown. This is the tended heart. And I call it the tended heart because this, this isn't a place that, that, that our human hearts naturally go to. Just as a farmer, if we had a farmer with us today, they wouldn't tell you that, that the soil naturally prepares itself to be sown. You have to work it. You have to remove the stones. You, you have to remove and pull all the weeds. You, you, you have to tend that soil. The tended heart is the heart that is submitted to God. And that's, that's a little bit different than, than the way that we naturally negotiate as humans. I think our natural tendency, and, and, and even a, uh, we heard this last week, a voice that's reiterated over and over again, is that, that you need to follow your heart. This soil condition is a heart that is submitted to what God is doing. And it says that it's, that it's fruitful. 30, 60, 100 times what is planted there. And I think the, the beauty of that is there, there's a connotation that, that what God begins in my heart won't be just about blessing me, but it'll actually bless people around me. And that the, 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 the growing of my heart, the expanding of what God is doing in the soil of my heart allows me to understand and to grasp his love even more. So Jesus gives us, gives us this picture of the heart, these, these four conditions that, that he puts before us. And I, I imagine for, for some of us, we're like, oh yeah, number two, that's, that, that's me. Number three, maybe a blending of them. But, but w- w- what do we do with these conditions? Where do we start? I'm going to give us a real practical starting point today. And we are going to spend time throughout this series teaching on the heart and and teaching about all these places that, that Jesus faithfully meets us, where he restores our heart, where he heals our heart, where, where he even brings clarity to the mystery of the heart, the parts that we don't even understand. But, but, but I want to give us something simple today, and it's, it's two words. It's examine and confession. Examine, looking at these four hearts and, and, and knowing where our own heart lies in there. And confession, simply speaking the truth. This year, uh, I made a resolution um, in 2020 to go see the doctor. I've been putting it off for a good long while. Um, and, and not just going to see the doctor, but, but giving blood, which is terrifying to me. Um, but I'm, I'm almost 40, and I hear you have to do those things when you get older, and it's, it's important. But my preference is to not go to the doctor and to just not know. Right? Like, to not think about it, to not be concerned about it. My, my preference to be candid with my own heart is, is to put things in the drawer and then close it. Jesus has been telling me over and over again, he's not satisfied. He wants my whole heart, even the parts that I've not dealt with and don't want to deal with. And so his invitation is examine, to journey with him, 
as we look at my own heart. There's a prayer in, in Psalms um, by a man named David, and, and I love the book of Psalms, especially when we're talking about the heart, because all of the human emotions, good, bad, the junk, the crazy, all of it is captured in the book of Psalms. This is Psalms prayer, or David's prayer in Psalms 139, and, and his prayer is actually a request to God to help him examine his own heart. He says in, in verse 1, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. David's, David's got some wisdom. He understands something about his creator that, that, that he is known by him. He knows David better than David knows David. And so if he wants to explore his own heart, he needs to go to his father. He ends the, the, the chapter with uh, these two verses. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is his prayer of examine. God, you, you know my heart better than I know my heart. Search me. Tell me what you find. Tell me what you see. Don't let me be blind to it. Don't let this, this part of my heart keep affecting me or keep blocking what you want to do. Tell me about it. And then when he does, to give it back to him in confession. This word, this word confession means so much more than just saying, I'm sorry. Certainly that is a part of it, that we confess when we have sinned, when, when we have strayed from his plan and we choose our plan or the world's plan, when, when he has explicitly said, this is not good for you, but yet I choose it again and again, and, and, and I have to, to kind of reap the, the havoc in my heart from that. And, and, and yes, confession is important for that, but, but confession goes beyond that. This is something that, that God has been working my heart the last couple months, I, uh, I've had this growing discontent with how Jesus and I communicate. And, and uh, my, what I would call my prayer life and the things that I say and the, the things I offer to him, they, they felt like uh, clothes that are too small, that, that my life has grown to a point where I need a deeper and more meaningful and robust praying life with God. And the invitation has been through, through confession. And the invitation has been that, that when I feel God place something on my heart to pray about, to think about, to confess to him, to own for him, to stop what I'm doing and to actually say it out loud. Now, this usually happens um, in the mornings. I, I like to go for a run, and oftentimes in thinking about God and, and, and thinking about um, how he's leading, and, and there'll be times where I, I just feel like, God, I, I want to say this to you. And, and sometimes it, it's a confession. God, I, man, I really blew it here. I, I am sorry for this. And sometimes it's just telling him how I feel. God, I'm frustrated about this. God, I, I did not expect this to happen and this to happen, and where in the world were you when it did? Giving full vent to the heart. And I can't imagine what it looks like, because I'm running down Columbia, and I literally stop, take out my headphones, and just start saying it out loud. As crazy as it sounds, it probably fits perfectly with the rest of St. John's. But it's... It's what God has, has invited me into. He's, he's invited me into this, this prayer life that David had that says, my heart's a mystery to me right now. I, it, it feels like it's betraying me. I don't understand these emotions. I don't understand this. God, help me make sense of this junk drawer. And as he pulls pieces out to confess 
to give them back to him through confession. And so this morning, that's, that's what we're going to do. I want to invite our, our band to come back up. Um, here in a moment, the, they're going to lead us to communion, and um, they're going to introduce a, a new song to us, and it's, it's such a timely song. I, I think our, our, uh, some of our team was just introduced to this song the last couple weeks, and um, it's a song that's a confession. It's a song of, of someone saying, God, I, I've come to the end of fixing my own heart. I, I need you. I need you to do what only you can do. And so we're going we're gonna to sing this song. Um, we're going to come to the table in, in communion. But, but before we do that, I, I want to take a moment just in silence to pray that simple but, but pretty daring prayer that, that David prays. God, search my heart. Tell me what you find. And then to be bold enough to bring it back to him in confession. Uh, Jesus, I... I thank you that um, before we even thought about pursuing you, you pursued us. And that you have brought the grace, the mercy, the life. You've brought everything that our hearts need. And so now we want to trust you with more. We thank you, Lord.